tonight. And uh, so we're going to finish it up with just a, an overview, if we could, in Isaiah chapter 9. Let's go ahead and stand together. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 9. And um, I want to read three verses to begin with. We'll read verse number 2, verse number 4, verse number 6, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. Isaiah chapter 9 is much prophecy dealing with the birth of our Savior. And I think you'll get the gist of what we're going to be looking at here through these three verses. Notice what the Bible says. The people, Isaiah 9, 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Verse 4, thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. Verse 6, we know this one well. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach about our Savior again tonight, and I pray that, Lord, that you would make clear the message, Lord, where I may not. I pray you'd speak to hearts tonight. Help us have a soft heart to receive the word, and Lord, I pray you would challenge us with your word. As always, if there is one who doesn't know the Savior yet, I pray they would come to know him tonight. And for those that are saved, Lord, help us to see the many as you did in this, in the verses we read tonight, who have yet to hear and who have yet to know. And I pray you would burden our heart for them. Lord, I pray you're glorified through all we say and do tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to zoom out just a little bit, if we could. We've been very specific the last three messages in this series. As we looked at Mary and Joseph, we looked at the shepherds, and then this morning we looked at the wise men. But tonight, as we close this series out, we're going to zoom out and kind of get a bird's eye view of the world, if possible. I guess not necessarily a bird's eye view. We'll call it a God's eye view. How about that? And as we read Isaiah chapter number 9, we see a world that is waiting for Christ to come. Tonight, we're going to look at the world in general and the world that Christ would come to. And it's important to realize the state of the world when Christ would come because that shows us the need for Christ and what he had to do in order that we could be saved. When we use the term waiting on Christmas, we are basically looking at what the world was waiting on, what Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. But tonight, we're going to look at what the world was waiting on. And I want you to key in on the words waiting on. Because the, the words waiting on really helps us understand just how helpless the world, and when I say the world, understand, that includes us as well, how helpless we were until Christ came. In, in Isaiah chapter 9, we see a, a good picture of the world, we see a good picture of ourselves. but what I also want you to see tonight in way of a challenge to the church is the world that still exists without Christ. Even though we have come to know Christ and we're saved and it's wonderful to know that our name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, we must understand there's still a good portion of the world that we live in who have yet to come to know him. There is still a world that is waiting on him and it falls to our shoulders to take him to them. And so my prayer tonight is that God would show the lost their need to be saved, but also challenge the saved at what the world is still waiting on. And so let's look at three very simple things tonight in these verses that will give us an idea of what the world is waiting on, what Christ came to be, and then also what we can carry to the world. Verse number two, the Bible says the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. 
So I want you to notice as we look at the world that Christ would come into, we get a world that it really gives a picture of them that they are paralyzed, if you will, with darkness. So notice number one tonight, what the world was waiting on before Christ, the same thing that I was waiting on before Christ, and the same thing that much of the world is still waiting on without Christ is they're waiting on light. Verse 2, the Bible says, the people that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Folks, understand tonight that the darkness the world is dealing with right now, the darkness the world that my world was dealing in before Christ, and the darkness the world was dealing with before Christ came as well, was a darkness much worse than the darkness we deal with when we go out these doors tonight. It was a spiritual darkness. I don't know if you've had or ever had a power outage at your house, but living down in the woods of South Mississippi, we had them often. Uh, we lived down in the woods where pine limbs were always blowing on top of the wires, and when the power goes out down in the middle of the woods, it's dark. I mean, it, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. It is immobilizing. You can't hardly do anything, and, and then if your sons have taken the, the batteries out of the flashlights, you're even more in trouble then. My dad can tell you all about that. But understand the darkness the world was cast in was a darkness of spirituality. It was a darkness that was imposed upon us by sin. And understand that darkness is very much debilitating. When God looked down upon this earth, the Bible says he saw the people who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. And I want you to understand tonight that darkness limits everything. And God saw mankind and God saw a world that was cast in darkness and without the hope of his son would remain there. Now understand that. You know, when it's dark around your house and the power's out, you do the best you can, don't you? I mean, that's when you stub your toe. Uh, that's when you run into things. Isn't it amazing how weird you move when it's dark? Last night, I almost knocked the lamp off of my nightstand. My wife was asleep, and I was trying to get in there and get, some, and get something off the table, and I was moving around. I thought I was moving slow. Next thing you know, I'm knocking the lamp off the nightstand. Darkness can mess with you. Darkness can slow you down. Darkness can limit you, and God saw spiritual darkness as the captive of all mankind. God says the answer for this world is light. If you would, just hold your place there, and I'll give you a description at the end of Isaiah chapter number 59. Go to Isaiah 59, and I want you to see exactly what darkness does to us, and what God saw, and why we needed light. Isaiah 59, look down to verse number 9. <clears throat> and I think I wrote the wrong verse down. No, wait a minute. Isaiah 59. Yeah, there we are. Isaiah 59. Listen close. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light. Notice that. But behold, obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. Watch verse number 10 as it describes those that walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. And we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. Notice the effects of darkness. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who has struggled to have their sight and have tried to find their way up and down a wall. This is what the Bible is describing that God saw. John 10, the Bible says that when we walk in darkness, we stumble. Have you ever wondered why people do the things they do in the world? 
You ever watch the people on television during the impeachment process and hear them actually have the gall to quote scripture? And you wonder how people could live so wickedly. And you wonder how people could live so defiantly in the ways of God. It's because they're walking in darkness. That's why they're stumbling. Folks, we should never wonder why lost men act the way lost men do because they're walking in darkness. And when we walk in darkness, we grope along trying to find our way. We do the best we can, but without light, we're doomed. This is what God saw. When God saw the world, he looked at the world cast in darkness, and he knew the only hope was for the light to shine. And the Bible says that's what Christ came to do in Isaiah chapter 9. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. The only hope is to get to some light. The only hope is to get to where you can find your way. And Jesus says, I am the way. He was the light. Now, folks, here's what's wonderful. I'm thankful that I was one of those people that walked in darkness that the light shined unto. I'm thankful, as the old songs say, I saw the light. But as thankful as I am that I was able to see the light, understand that today God still looks down upon planet Earth and still sees men that are walking in the shadow of death, men who the light hasn't shined unto yet. They have not received Christ as their Savior. And by the way, that falls to you and I as light bearers. We are the ones that are called to take the light into the darkness. What's funny, and I'm guilty of it, is we're easy, it's too easy to complain about why the world's in the shape they're in. We complain about, uh, we complain about the drunks, and we complain about the drugs, we complain about the violence. Can I tell you, they're just doing that because they live in darkness. The answer to that is not another law. The answer to that is light. The reason they act the way they do is because they're walking in darkness. Don't be surprised somebody stumbles along when they're walking in darkness. That's just natural. But folks, what they need is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to shine in. By the way, that's the only reason you're able to find the way that you have. Somebody loved you enough to shine the light in where you were at. And folks, we've got to love them the way that Christ loved us and take the light to them that are still in darkness. We look at these people in disdain. We look at people, we look down on them. Now, look, I understand it's a choice, but folks, it was my choice too to sin. And yet God loved me and had enough grace upon me and enough mercy upon me to let the light shine. John 3 describes the world. Listen close, verse 19. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Why do men resist the light? Why don't they want to hear it? Why when our teenagers go and knock doors, are there times people do not want to hear what they have to say about the gospel, about coming to church? Why? Because they don't want to be in the light. Because when you're in the darkness, you don't see your evil deeds. You can't see them. They don't show up as good. And when somebody shines a light on it, the Bible says all things that are reproved or corrected are made manifest by the light. That's why they don't want to see the light. But here's what they got to understand. When you push away the light that does expose our sin, you're also pushing away the light that's going to show you the way out of it. Now, folks, I don't like it when the light shines in on my sin. Oh, I don't like it at all. The other day, I was right here on this property. I forget who it was, and somebody was preaching to me. I says, now, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be the guy that's preaching to people around here, not you. But, man, they was right. They had me dead to right. They were doing it kindly, okay? I'm not giving you a pass to come preach to me all the time. They were doing it very kindly and very sweetly. But my goodness, it didn't feel good when somebody shows you your sin. 
But understand it's that same light that's going to show us the way out. The problem tonight with our world is simply this. The world is still waiting for light. The light is shining unto all men, but the problem is we're not being the light and carrying the gospel to them that they may, may find the way out of the darkness. So number one, they were waiting on light. Number two, look at verse four. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder. Look at the next part. The rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian, speaking of Gideon there. But notice what it says. He's broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. When God looked down, he saw a world that was in darkness waiting on light, but he also saw a world that was carrying a burden of bondage, of bondage. Number two, the world was waiting on freedom. The world was waiting on freedom. Isaiah 61.1 really sums up what God saw. We keep flipping back and forth, but that's the way we're going to let the Bible interpret itself. Isaiah 61.1, listen to what the Bible says here. The Spirit of the Lord, of the Lord God, is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, listen close, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Christ came to bring freedom. Now, folks, it's interesting that oftentimes the world looks at us Christians as living a very restrained life. But understand, John 8, the Bible says that when the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. There's a foundation up in Madison, Wisconsin called the Freedom From Religion Foundation. You've probably read about them or maybe you've seen them on television. And they are challenging every Christian thing in this country. You put a nativity scene, they're going to challenge it. You pray to ball game, they're going to challenge it. It's the freedom, listen close, from religion foundation. They believe what America needs, if you look it up, it's a group of atheists and non-theists who believe that what America needs is to have a separation of church and state. And by the way, that's not in the Constitution. Do we know that? All right? We keep repeating this over and over again. It was a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist. It's not in there. And by the way, what he was referring to was keeping the church out of the state, not, I mean, keeping the state out of the church, but not the church out of the state. Understand that, okay? After a while, the news media repeats something long enough, and we just simply believe it. That was not the intent of the statement. The Freedom From Religion Foundation believes it will help America is if America severs ties with religion. Now understand when they say religion, they mean God. They just don't have the guts to say it. When they say freedom from religion, they're saying freedom from God. What they do not understand is what America needs is the freedom from God. I mean the freedom you receive from God. Now, folks, understand, there is no freedom like the freedom you'll find in the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only freedom you'll find that will last all throughout eternity. You might get set free down here out of jail. You may get free of a parking ticket. Boy, I buzzed by a cop yesterday, and I just knew I was busted. Thank the Lord he was either off duty or just had some Christmas grace on me. I was appreciative of it. You might get out a ticket, but the only freedom that's eternal is the freedom you find through Christ Jesus. And the Bible says in verse number four, he's broken the yoke of his burden. The Bible says he and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor. You see, when he looked down, he saw a world that was waiting on light. And then he saw a world that was waiting on freedom. I want you to think about a captive tonight. I've never been in jail as a resident. I've been in, but I've never been as a resident. 
And no offense if you have, but you think about a prisoner. A prisoner's life is dictated by his captor. The whole life is dictated by the one who holds him captive. And when you look at our world, the further we get away from God, we have this idea that there's a freedom in it. And yet, no, it's just making us more of a captive. Because you look at the world, and the world is dictated. Every move and every thought of his imagination is dictated by sin. Why? Because we're captive to it. I don't know about you, but I'm like the Apostle Paul. I'd rather be a captive of Christ than a captive of sin. Understand the world that we live in. The reason they do what they do is because they're captive to sin. And God looked down upon this world that sat in darkness. He says, okay, they need some light. And then he looked down and he saw them captive. He says what they need is freedom. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 102. We're going to turn a little bit tonight. Psalms 102, if you'll turn there. I want to show you the mindset and the heart of God. Psalms 102 Verse number 20, verse number 19, listen close to this. The Bible says, for he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary. Just stop right there. We ought to just be thankful tonight that God paid us any attention. God looked down from his sanctuary, from the height of his sanctuary. And from heaven did the Lord behold the earth. So God looks down. God sees the world in darkness and God sees the captives. But not only did he look down, look what the Bible goes on to say. Verse 20, to hear the groaning of the prisoner. Not only did God take the time to pay us attention, the Bible says that he listened to hear the groaning of the prisoner. Keep reading. To loose those that are appointed to death. Aren't you glad long before we ever grace this earth? That a loving, almighty God looked down from heaven and he saw us in our darkness. He saw us in our sin. He saw us captive to it. And he saw us, what the Bible says at the end of verse number 20, appointed to death. You see, we're not just in prison for a term. When you're in prison to sin, it's a death sentence. The Bible says sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This isn't just physical death. It's eternal Lake of fire, the Bible says. The Bible says, but he heard the groaning of the prisoner to loose those that are appointed to death. God looked down and he saw a world that was in prison and he, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, he held the keys and he still holds the keys, by the way. To loose the prisoner... So when we look at the world today and we look out and we see those who are living wickedly and those living defying God by their lifestyle, understand that's you and me had we not been set free. Listen, we have no right and no ground to look down upon anybody because if Almighty God can hear me out in the situation that I was in, then hey, I can pay somebody attention to the situation that they're in. They're just in darkness. They're just a captive. And they're waiting on Freedom. So number two, they were waiting on freedom to be loosed. But go back to Isaiah 9. Your fingers are going to get a workout tonight. Isaiah 9, look down if you would to verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful 
Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, this is what I love, and we'll finish with this one tonight. Do you know from the last verses of the book of Malachi in the Old Testament to the beginning of Matthew, they're called the silent years, where we didn't hear from God. 400 years that man did not hear from God. And I want you to know, living in darkness is frightening. Being a prisoner is frightening. But being cut off from God and not hearing from God, oh, how frightening that is. But God was about to speak to the world. And buddy, was he going to do it in grand fashion. The Bible says in John, you know the verse well, chapter 1, verse 14, that not only was God going to speak to the world through his words, that he was going to form his words into flesh. And he was going to send his word in the form of flesh down to the world to tell the world what God wanted them to hear. So number three, when God looked down at the world in Isaiah 9, he saw a world waiting on light. He saw a world waiting on freedom. And finally, he, felt, he saw the world waiting on the word. 400 years they were waiting to hear from God. 400 years they were silenced, waiting to hear from God again, that God would uh, send a prophet or that God would send. Look, God sent someone so much better than a prophet. He put the words in the form of flesh and sent his son to tell us everything that he wanted us to know. I remember one of my college professors said that. He says, Jesus was in flesh, everything God wanted to tell us. What love the Father loved us with. That he took his word and formed it in the flesh and delivered the message personally. I was thinking this afternoon, I was back in the back bedroom and thinking about how much it changes things when you hear from God. <laughs> how much your life has been changed because you heard from God. How much my life and my eternity was changed because God spoke to my heart, let me know I was lost, and sent someone to take the word of God and show me how to be saved. Changed my life, changed my eternity, hearing from God. Oh, there's a whole lot more people in this world waiting to hear from God tonight. You look at them and the way they're living, and you look at them and the way they act, and you look at them and the way their home is in such a disarray. They just need to hear from God like you and I did. They're dwelling in darkness. They're captives just as you and I were. By the way, the message that God sent you and I, the good news of the gospel, it was not exclusive to us. For God so loved the world, the Bible says. The message is for all. Genesis chapter 1, we know of the creation story. And boy, I love what the Bible talks, how the Bible describes the earth in chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. Listen closely. The Bible says the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Not a whole lot there to talk about, is it? But what's wonderful is the very next word, verse, the first three words the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Changed everything. Just by God speaking into the darkness. You know that's how my life was changed? God spoke into my darkness. That's how my life was changed. That's how my eternity was changed. By God speaking into my void and my nothingness and my darkness and it changed everything. And folks, I want you to understand tonight, this Christmas season, you ought to thank God that you heard from him. 
You ought to thankful that whatever the day or the night or the morning it was that the Holy Spirit of God dealt with your heart about being saved. You ought to be thankful that God even spoke to us, that he heard the cry of the prisoner, that he saw us cast in darkness, and he loved us enough to do something about it. Now he calls upon us to go and do the very same thing. He calls us to go to those who have yet to hear from him. Do you know the woman at the well, when Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria? You know why I did that? She needed to hear from him. She needed to hear from him directly. And you know there's a whole lot of women at the well all around Hattiesburg. They just need to hear from God. You see the demoniac of Gadara. Oh my goodness, talking about somebody as a prisoner in darkness. There he was. And yet Jesus went all the way to him and had something to tell him. Changed his life. So think about this tonight as we close. There's still a world waiting to hear from God. There's still a world sitting in darkness. There's still a world sitting as prisoners in sin. And we have the key, which is Christ. But what does Romans 10, 14 tell us? The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, you're probably thinking this right now, because I used to think it too before I was one. Well, I'm not a preacher. You know, a preacher is anybody that will publicly proclaim the gospel. Just somebody to go and tell. Just somebody who's willing to go and tell that there's a light that can shine in your darkness. There's one who has the key to your prison. And there's one who has the message of the good news of the gospel that you can be saved and have a home in heaven. But somebody's got to go. And somebody's got to tell. Now that falls to you and I because Matthew 5, the Bible says, ye are the light of the world. We're the ones supposed to carry in the light into this darkness. And if we just do our job... And follow in the example of our Savior who looked at the world and saw the need was not another law, was not condemnation. They were condemned already. They needed light. They needed to know that he came to set the prisoner free. They just needed to know and to hear the good news of the gospel. So what's the world waiting on tonight? Well, they're waiting on a whole lot of change that you and I could bring to them if we would just be willing to share Christ. With our heads bowed and our eyes.